0: Commercial Property with Rethink Investing, Australia's largest and most comprehensive podcast covering all things commercial investing.
1: Hi, okay, everyone. How are you going? Welcome to Inside Commercial Property. Phil Tarrant here, your co-host, uh, but on the guy with all the information. It's uh, Scott O'Neill, my co-host of this uh, great podcast, which we've been recording all through 2020. Welcome to 2021. Scott, how are you going? Very well, mate. It's good to be here again. It is good, and we had a pretty good run these last couple of months. When did we start this, has got to be May.
0: Oh, it's sort of halfway Earlier. through the when I think it was, yeah, May when it was a bit nervous with the pandemic and everything starting up mm. or, or finishing up, depending on what state you're in. And yeah, it's uh, been a whirlwind of a year, but yeah, definitely finishing
1: strong, that's for sure. Yeah, it's really good. And um, uh, I really enjoyed the backside of 2020. It was a very different year for most people, but uh, 2021, here we are, brand new year, lots happening. Uh, you guys uh, and girls at Rethink Investing, business as usual? You working through the break?
0: Oh, yeah, because look, 2021, it looks like it's going to be one of the busiest years for property ever. So uh, it will be a year of growth and trying to keep up with demand and finding properties. So it it will be a challenging year for business, but a good one, I think. Yeah,
1: it's really cool. And uh, I really enjoyed, I guess, our pathway over 2020, uh, number one, launching this new podcast, Inside Commercial Property, which seems to have resonated with everyone. So I guess- big thumbs up. They, they talk about your skills and uh, experience and, and, and insights. So that's pretty good. I don't really get any mentions on the reviews, so I'm quite happy about that. I'm, oh, I'm a right top post in the, Australia, the, 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 give the shadows. Shot. But um, <laughs> but for all those who are, who are tuning in and, and leaving those reviews, uh, please keep them up. We get a real kick out of them. It's just not myself and Scott here recording this. We've got a big team, both within Rethink Investing, but also here at Momentum Media. Who do all the heavy lifting and make us sound good? Now, Scott, over 2020, we we did about seven episodes and um, we broke down commercial property sort of 101 type stuff at the start of it, going through the different sorts of assets, how you go about effectively investing in commercial property, what you can be doing better, what you see the best investors doing, and you just sharing your insights and knowledge on breaking down potential deals and, and working out how to invest. So, um, we here right at the start of 2021, so I thought what we should do is really set the scene for this year, what it's going to look like. You said it's going to be one of the, the busiest years ever in property, and I think you're probably right, both residential and commercial. So I thought what we should do is go and look at the predictions for 2021 and just give some scope, give some architecture for how people can start approaching this. Now, what I've done, Scott, is I've been scouring the internet looking for some... Predictions that will give us a guide to have a discussion. So, what I've done, I've pulled out an article from realcommercial.com.au. So, that's part of the REA group family of organizations. You most know them from realestate.com.au. So, this is their commercial side of the business. They did a pretty good article on the backside of. 2020 in December, uh, early December by memory, and they've listed the eight predictions for commercial property in 2021. Now their view of commercial property is a little bit more expansive to what ours has been on inside commercial property. We're sort of looking at the the more um, we're not the, the big insto funds and where they're spending their money. This is more about uh, your in inverted commas average Australian looking to create wealth through property, in particular commercial property. So we're talking sort of you know the the more affordable properties, I guess. We're not talking about office towers. We're talking about Warehouses, um, small shopping centres, um, small you know high street based stuff, and that's been a big driver of our uh, discussion. So we'll have a chat through these predictions, Scott, on the basis of the assets that you typically buy for your your customers. And let me just read the start of this article out just to give you some um, a bit of an idea of what it's all about. It says Australia is now technically out of the COVID recession, jobs are rebounding rapidly, uh, several vaccines are looking promising, money is cheap and readily available, and governments continue to spend big. Additionally, all these positive changes being supercharged with high levels of liquidity. This is good news for commercial property heading into 2021, while other sectors can expect a bumpier road ahead. Here are eight predictions for commercial property in 2021. So before we get to the first prediction, Scott, a number of vaccines were rolled out in December that we know they started injecting people the vaccine in uh, America and in the UK not yet really underway here but we've secured our vaccines we know what's happening travel is starting to open up they're working out ways to get this vaccine across the globe government stimulus here in Australia has been strong for those that need it with the JobKeeper 2.0 continuing, a whole bunch of other government stimulus to get the economy moving. We're now officially out of a recession. We've now moved out of it after two quarters of negative GDP growth. So things are looking up in Australia.
0: Yeah, they are. And look, they've been looking up for quite a while, even before the vaccine announcement, because Australia did performed so well in the pandemic. you know, We didn't really see any uh, spikes outside of probably Melbourne that were uh, you know, to the point where it hurt commercial property. And um, yeah, look at the interest rate environment and the savings rate of people have really encouraged people to invest throughout mm. 2020. And I think 2021 is just going to be a similar story, but there's less of the concern about the economy, which could actually double down on what we've seen in 2020. So, I think, yeah, all around it's going to be a very positive year for property and we're at um like consumer sentiment is at seven-year high. So, the last time it was this high was in 2014, which was a pretty good year for property as well. So, you know, and it's on the way, it's trending upwards as well. So, sentiment being, you know, as high as it is,
1: is a very good thing for property. You made an important point there, you said that um, the interest rate environment. So, money is as cheap as it's ever been uh, and that's good if you are- looking to borrow money, but for those who traditionally keep large reserves of cash in some sort of instrument, whether it's just in a bank savings account or or some sort of fixed uh, term uh, cash type product, they're not getting returns that they used to do. So you said they're now, rather than keeping their money parked away in one of those type of Investment vehicles, they're shifting into an investment and, and commercial property is an attractive one.
0: Yeah, and that's a massive trend we've seen. We've had a lot of non traditional property investors come to us as clients saying we need better returns on our money. So it is a scenario of just shifting, you know, getting those zero or 0.5% returns in a bank account mm. into a property that might produce you six, seven, 8% plus growth. So, you know, it's a, it's sort of a you're almost forced to invest, or you'll see your money dwindle away in a bank account. And that's a concern for people. So, investing, you're almost forced into it when interest rates are this low. Just to make
1: sure you get the utility of your money as effectively as possible. Some people were happy on a turn deposit getting 2 to 3%. Now, that's just not cutting the mustard, right? No, no. Yeah, very good. All right, let's get into some predictions, Scott. Um, uh, the first one here, and this is from a an article on realcommercial.com.au, part of REA. Number one, focus on getting CBDs back on track. I'll oh, really quick abstract to this, Scott, to give us some framework. Australian CBDs were hit hard during COVID-19 lockdowns of, as office workers remained locked out of city workplace and international students, vacated university hubs in Melbourne. This was exacerbated by longer running restrictions, as well as greater resilience on students across all CBD types, including office retail and residential. There's been rises in vacancy rates 2020. This we know. So this here is that CBDs need to be the priority and the focus to help stimulate economy. And we saw just in New South Wales, I think it was the 14th of December, the changes to the government mandate around if you can work from home or if your people can work from home, work from home to, hey, get people back into the office because this is a central driver of stimulating economic activity. So we're going to see now governments and businesses encouraging people back into the offices, which is good for office market, which has a flow and effect into what they do at lunchtime, that is uh, they buy food, they buy clothes, they get their shoes fixed, they use dry cleaners, they get their hair cut, all this sort of stuff. So this is the nucleus of CBDs and how important they are.
0: Yeah, and look, the government has to do that because these Ds are a massive driver for the overall economy. And you know, there there was I've seen a survey out. They interviewed about a hundred of Australia's largest companies in December, and they said sixty five or sixty three percent of workers preferred flexible work arrangements that they got in the pandemic. So. You know, employees in general don't want to be in the office uh, or forced to. So there's going to have to be, you know, for the CVD's sake, a bit of encouragement to get people back in because they don't really want to en masse. But You know, long term it will slowly go back to what it is, and, Mm. um, you know, the government will do what it needs to. And that might include increasing immigration over the coming years as well to, uh, you know, get more skilled migrants in. And they're just going to boost the population. And lack of migration from overseas has been one of the killers for the CBD market in Mm. 2020 because it's not just the fact that people aren't moving in there or catching trains, it's also there's less migrants coming
1: to Australia that generally uh, will occupy these areas. Yeah, and you're going to see these public health orders changing to get people back into CBDs, hopefully at a point in time. And they're talking about it now with potential border openings to get more international students back in Australia, huge drivers of uh, the economy in particular, uh, the rental markets. But A lot of international students' parents actually buy them a place wherever they're located to help park their money in Australia. So you're going to see this moving forward. But the councils will work to get people back into CBDs. I think this focus on flexible working will continue. And and they're talking flexibility now, not as in, hey, work from home. It's about, you know what? Why don't you change the time that you do travel just to get people into the CBD? So I'm sure the restaurants and the cafes are pretty keen to get people back in there. So um, that will see a, a bit of a change in fortunes, I think, into the office market. I think some people would have bought well office space in 2020. Maybe they're going to be the guys and girls laughing all the way to the bank sort of come five years down the path, but who knows? Prediction number two here on this uh, story from realcommercial.com.au. Investment in commercial property to continue. Well, that's good. Um, I'll quickly read out the first paragraph on this bit. Uh, There's currently no shortage of money, which is why, despite rising vacancies, we're not seeing a corresponding drop in values. Interest rates are expected to remain low for some time, and the ability to borrow will continue to be eased. Yields will drop off, the back of rental declines and stagnation. But even with this, there will continue to be a decent gap between this and the government bond rates, primarily because these have also fallen, while local buyers will dominate offshore groups are also likely to participate in 2021. This year, we saw a lot of activity from Europe and the Chinese investment ramping up towards the end of the year. 2021, Australia will continue to be attractive, given how minimally impacted we are have been by the pandemic compared to the rest of the world. We've spoken about this a number of times over 2020 in our podcast, Scott about the attractiveness of Australia as a place for people to generate and park wealth if they are from other parts of the world, and that's going to be, be a driver moving forward. imagine immigration counters across the world will be, people will be lining up to try and get their ticket to come to Australia.
0: Oh, exactly. Like Look how good Sydney has done, or um, you know, to a lesser degree Melbourne, but you know, Brisbane, Perth, all these cities, how they've gone versus the big ones like London, New York, you know these uh, these big cities are uh, you know where people would invest in have um, have had a pretty pretty terrible 2020 and Australia looks like a safe haven. We've performed well. We're, we're you know the economy is quite strong. It bounced back quick and uh, you know people want to live and invest here and I think that's going to be a, a think a trend we continue to see. So there'll be more high net worths try dispose their money into Australia and. You know, that'll be across all sectors, I think. And commercial will really benefit from it, like that article said. There is a very big gap between the return and the bond rates. So you're gonna make good money if you invest well in commercial property. And it's a cash flow-driven type asset. So cash flow is the hardest thing to find in today's world with investing. Mm. You know, it's and capital growth is less reliable, which makes cash flow even more valuable. So it's gonna be one of those things that just keeps keeps going. And, as long as the uh, rental market holds up, and this is one of the keys we look for when we invest, you want to invest in, into a strong rental market. So, that's one of the things why I'm a little bit more defensive with the office because that will take a bit more time to recover compared to, say, industrial, which
1: mm. has already got a good strong rental market. So, yeah. you've got to get the right rental market. And that's the important point there. They're talking about investment in commercial property to continue. Commercial property is a big catch-all. There's a lot of different parts of it, Right. And uh, some people get it right, some people get it wrong. Uh, the third prediction here, Scott, is uh, growing interest in life sciences and medical related property. And we've spoken a fair bit about medical related assets. Over the course of twenty twenty. And it writes the arrival of the pandemic has led to huge investment in research and development in the pharmaceutical sector for property. Life sciences refers to pharmaceuticals, biotech, and medical technology industry. So catch all is just medical, Scott. Although a tiny sector compared to office, residential, retail, and industrial is growing and COVID nineteen has accelerated this globally, ten billion bucks of life sciences probably changed hands in twenty twenty. This is likely to be higher in twenty twenty. You like um medical? Orientated assets, don't you?
0: Yeah, look, it's one of our big targets at Rethink Investing. We throughout twenty twenty, we we probably bought oh, about fifty to sixty million dollars worth of the stuff for okay. clients. So, little medical centres, even things like pharmacies, and you know, I know it's not quite medical, but vets and things like that. Anything kind of medical related or essential service is a strong tenant. And you just got like, there's not not much of it. So, there is a high demand. People feel safe Mm. owning that for a very long period of time. And that will remain a target in 2021 because, you know, we are an aging population. We're older, we're sicker, we're, uh, you know, this this isn't going anywhere. So, you know, these are long-term businesses that are just going to be strong forever. So, you know, like it said, it's a small industry. There's not much of the stuff out there, but that makes it unique and, and scarce, which uh can account for uh, more capital growth
1: as the demand rises. It's an interesting point in this article, and it probably steps outside, and this is the difference between the type of assets we're talking about through this podcast versus where institutions or institutional investors would be putting their money. It says the one sector that's likely to continue to see shake up is aged care, particularly given the high rates of mortality in aged care facilities during the pandemic. The Aged Care Royal Commission, which delivers its final report in February 21, could also have an impact. You don't really... That, that's a different sort of realm, isn't it? Sort of investing in aged care type commercial. Yeah, it's real specific.
0: For us, it's a little bit outside of our scope of knowledge. You know, it's it's just it's a whole different ball game. So yeah. it's like getting into hotels. You know, it, it's it's a different specialist area, and you really got to put a whole lot of time and effort and. I think there's just more simpler ways for the average person to invest, but generally that's a lot higher dollar amount as well. Yeah. So that's another reason that it's kind of more of the institutional space, and you know we've seen in 2020 a lot of like I think there are potential shakeups in that space that would concern me. But look, I don't know as enough about it
1: to want to put my own money into it, and yeah. that's that's a big thing. And if you sort of Operating the aged care space, you it it is a business. You're just using property to facilitate that business. So, very different from buying a uh, a medical centre that a a couple of doctors operate out in and uh, you know see some patients. So, beware. Yeah, it's a very it's easy to get that wrong, and most people do get it wrong. Uh, And no doubt the Royal Commission next month will will show some of that. Number four in terms of predictions from realcommercial.com.au for an article they wrote in December, industrial and commercial farming to remain popular. So, Scott, both industrial and commercial farming were popular prior to the pandemic and interest accelerated during COVID-19 or 2020. Uh, The industrial sector has done well out of lockdowns, and many of the habits we developed during the pandemic, such as increased online shopping, are likely to stay. For commercial farming, there are longer trends at play, including changes in investor types, as well as better weather conditions in many places. So we'll touch on the industrial side of things in a moment. Commercial farming, again, that's a pretty specialised area, and, and there you're talking like... You know salmon farms, right? And this sort of stuff, with a big net in the middle exactly. of the ocean. This is pretty specific stuff.
0: Exactly. And it's a whole different lending game. Yields can be lower because you're you're buying large parcels of land. you mm-hmm. know if you're buying a you know a grain field, you know it's the implied value of the land, like how how much it yields. And again, it's it's specialist knowledge mm-hmm. uh, but also higher dollar amount and lower yields. So for most everyday investors, it doesn't really come into their their search patterns. but, you know, industrial on the other end is it's what we invest in most. It's uh, so it it's done incredibly well through 2020 and 2021. Looks like it'll be even better because it's there's an e-commerce boom going on and COVID has actually sped it up. And what I like most about industrial is the rental market is strong. It's not mm. just the whole capital market. It's the fact there's tenants looking to rent places and there's you know the amount of businesses we're seeing grow 30% in 2020. And they need an overflow warehouse just to keep their extra stock like that's a that's a trend happening from Perth to Darwin to you know Hobart to um you know brisbane it's it's Australia wide and that's the type of stuff you want to invest in when mm-hmm. there's good strength in the rental market that means rental growth when you get rental growth that means capital growth it's just a it's a cycle that will make you money if you'll get it at the right price day one
1: so pretty much anywhere with a large regional population is going to need some sort of warehousing, right? Yeah. You know, if it's out in the regional areas, it might be farming supplies, for example. If it's sort of in the more suburban areas, it might be, I don't know, phones or whatever, electronics people buy. Is there any sort of online shopping-based connected warehouse or or logistics centres that you're you're concerned of or wary of?
0: No, look, I'm just concerned when it's there's not good infrastructure around it. So you've got to be near good access to highways. You know, I like buying near airports and ports and stuff like that because that's infrastructure that's long term. And, you know, in 20 years' time, none of us know what the economy's going to look like. But if you're next to an international airport or you know, you're close to a CBD and a major regional hub that's growing. You tend to think you'll be okay in twenty years with that, because you will be able to relet that property. Yeah. If you go too regional and it's a declining town, and it's a very big warehouse, yeah, your pool of tenants are going to be quite. Low. If you lose your current one, so think about reletting and why future tenants will want to be there. And you know, oh, look, that's what I'd get concerned when it gets too regional. But if you're near a, a big airport in a regional city, that's something I like because you know we've seen in 2020 a lot of these regional cities are growing because there are people moving from the cities to these areas and. Look at industrial properties in Byron Bay, they have literally got to the same yield as Sydney or even lower in some cases because the demand for them is so high. That's not an international city.
1: Yeah. What do you think about, you know, it's good to have warehousing space or logistics centres, but for if the businesses use or or use the premises for... Quite sort of um unique uh, things like you know story of chemicals and all this sort of stuff Is that make you a bit nervous?
0: uh oh, no look' because a lot of them have specialist zoning for that, so mm. you know if you've got like a cool room storage set up or you know you're storing batteries, there's not much zoning for that, so there's still businesses that need the space so you're, you're going to rent to a more specialist tenant mm. they might stay longer, you might have a smaller pool of tenants, but they've got a smaller pool of properties to choose from so But look, understanding that market is important rather than just going to buy it, like, you know, because there are pros and
1: cons to every situation. Yeah, absolutely. And we've spoken about this this next uh, prediction for 2021. Shopping centres will perform better in Australia than overseas. Up to a third of shopping centres, Scott, in the US are expected to close in coming years as retailers, both small stores and large anchor tenants, continue to file for bankruptcy amid. Health crisis. Uh, COVID 19 has also had a devastating impact on Australia's retail sector, which has now flowed through to lowest rental returns for shopping centres ever recorded. You only need to go to a shopping centre now, you see this, right? For shopping centre owners, it will be hard work to fill retail vacancies in 2021, and they may have to get used to lower returns. On the flip side, though, Scott, This article writes, it is unlikely that Australia will see the same level of shopping center closures as in the US. The main reason is that Australia's tighter planning controls means we have far less shopping centers in the first place. Per person, Australia has already half as much retail floor space than the US, which means far fewer closures. Now, we spoke about this, I think, in episode number six. We're talking about you know, when you're investing in shopping centers and the type of businesses that you want to be using it. And I think our conclusion was, if you can buy stuff off the internet and that's where the stores, that's what sort of stores there are, maybe less attractive. But if you're investing in shopping centers that have essential goods that you can't get from the internet, i.e. a loaf of bread or a bottle shop or a small medical center or a small little supermarket or the pie shop or whatever it is, That's better stuff, right?
0: Yeah, and look, like that article said, a lot of people say, "Oh, malls are closing in the US all the time," but there's more of them, Mm. and they're set up differently. Like they're the big arcade style, you know. Like you go to the cinema, yeah. You know, look at how how did cinemas do in 2020? You know, Mm. terribly. But think about little neighbourhood shopping centres where you know you drive in, like you said, you go see your doctor, you get your hair cut. You are, You might go to a physio or something like that. You have got to go to these places. And sure, you can buy your groceries online, but you know most people don't want to do that, and it's not viable in regional Australia or small sort of uh you know outskirt towns to to deliver all that mm. kind of stuff. So it's less reliable. So I think the neighbourhood shopping centre model will continue to be strong, and it has actually been strong in 2020, mm. except for the March and April when there were forced closures. But Throughout the rest of 2020, it was actually a pretty good year for shopping centers and we saw yields tighten because people kept paying more and more for them. Rents didn't really drop across the board outside your major retail type areas where there was a little bit of that going on. But I I see underlying strength because it's like you said, there's not as many of them around and you just got to get the right mix. Like If you're buying a, a business, like you said, that can sell it all online- that is a risk that you'll lose them. And then you've got to look at the vacancies in the area, is there growth? But people still want to go to shops mm. and that's, you know, we're not going to only sit at home and buy every single thing online and never go
1: out. You know, that's just, it's a boring no, way, way to live. It's going to work. No. Yeah, and, you know, I sort of look at shopping centres and I guess there's a difference between, maybe you can explain this, um, I think about your local suburban Shopping mall versus a shopping sort of center. And shopping center to me is like, you know, horseshoe, shape sort of set of shops that everyone parks in the middle and you just go from place to place and you've got your, your hairdresser and your butcher and that sort of stuff versus an actual mall which everything is inside and that's where you've got your fashion shops and and you know maybe a gift area or something or other they're, they're two very different things aren't they?
0: Yeah and look I, I remember in 2020 the amount of work the local cafes were getting in suburban areas and they're often part of a little set of uh, shopping strips or mm. like you said horseshoe style areas they've, they've had a great 2020 and it's because there's more people in their local areas. The CBD shops struggled more. So, it's the movement of people. If there's people around these areas, then I think it's going to be a pretty good year. So, you know, there is a big difference. Retail is not all equal and it's you normally go off, is it a destination type retail? Do you have to go there to enjoy their product? If they can, I see,
1: you know, strength in that tenant. Mm. Okay. Uh, this sixth prediction here, Scott office design will continue to change. And I agree this is the case and this is going to be connected with COVID. Uh, The article writes, many Australians are now returning to the office, but it is unlikely the design of most offices will remain the same due to social distancing requirements. More meeting rooms, well-equipped with video functionality and necessary for distributed teams, and although social distancing measures are no longer so strict, there is likely to be an expansion of workspace ratios in many organizations. Uh, Suburban office spaces could also see a boost in interest in 2021, as more people prefer to stay closer to home. However, offices ultimately play a role as talent attractors and keepers of culture. People like to interact and career progression for young people can be hard when you are stuck at home. I agree with all of that, but things are going to change, mate.
0: Yeah look and I was talking to a little bit off topic but I was talking to an architect you know and they basically specialize in repurposing office towers mm. so they like they'll keep the elevator shaft they'll keep the facade or they remove the facade rather but they keep the bones of it and they turn it into residential like mm. and you know you might see the, more of the eco type sustainable building style because you keep it but you mm. can put plants on the outside of the facade and all that and totally make it look like a brand new building So, you might see if office space, the values of it drop enough, it might be worth more as residential. Mm. So, the building itself always have, uh, you know, a ground value to it. And there will be, a, you know, more dis, you know, a little bit more separation. Like the hot desking model looks to be getting phased out. There's more of the, the the WeWorks of Australia, where you sort of, um, you know, you got your own space and it's yours and you pay for it, rather than getting a big office space for five years. And, you know, there'll be so many of these changes. And like I know yourself, you you're involved in this space as well. You know, you've you, as yourself, you've seen there's a there's still a need for office space, but it is changing how we look at it.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of organisations and the Writes about it how um, you know offices are in many ways the keepers of culture. So even though you have a distributed workforce, I think people still need to come together. And it's very different the type of work that you do over Zoom, which is a lot more sort of transactional versus sort of um, activity-based working where you get together and talk about stuff, right? Yeah. And that, that and and offices in many ways will be the keeper of that culture. It's really funny, you know. It's um you speak with. It's an interesting phenomenon. Most workers, a lot of workers, don't have the privilege of choosing not to go to the office, right? Like frontline workers, so uh, doctors, nurses, uh, labourers, builders, chippies, van drivers. You know, the list mm-hmm. continues. Teachers, right? They don't get to make a choice around. Oh, I don't really want to go to the office anymore. It's only really knowledge workers that that have that opportunity. And it's interesting. You know, I have this chat quite a lot, Scott. They reckon, um, in the UK, for example, uh, they came out saying. Here's a question for you. What, what is, what's the biggest uh, health concern, medical concern for, for, for our generation? What do you think it is coming out of the UK? Probably mental health. Um, loneliness. Yeah,
0: there you loneliness. go.
1: Loneliness. So I think the UK have actually appointed a minister for loneliness. Really? That's how important it is. And, and loneliness has a whole bunch of repercussions. One mm. of them is challenges in mental health and depression and all this sort of stuff. So now people live in an environment where they don't need to leave their house. Like they've been locked up, right? But, um. You know, you get your phone, you get contactless delivery of everything these days, whether it's, uh, you know, your Uber or, or your office works, uh, and now people are making the choice not to go to work. So, yeah. I think people should be encouraged to get out of the house and do stuff, and I think offices play a central role to that. And I think a lot of organizations will embrace that moving forward.
0: Yeah. And look, and I know personally with my staff, we, we sort of have 50% love the office, 50% hate the office. Mm. So, it like, we are looking at flexible work arrangements as well. So, yeah never thought we would look at that a year ago mm. you know it's amazing what covid has done with uh, reshaping how you sort of look at an office but i agree with you, you there is a level of culture you know you need to maintain you can't just never have an office but you don't want to always be in the office so mm. it's something in between and you know none of us really know what that looks like but we know there will be change and you know it's probably for the better
1: yeah yeah it's um it's good how Often false change is good change and uh, it's happened right through the generations and, and the centuries. But um, number seven, Scott, of the predictions for 2021 for commercial real estate, uh, realcommercial.com.au say uh, commercial real estate in regional areas to see high demand. Uh, in the June quarter this year, the Australian Bureau of Statistics reported the biggest movement out of capital cities into regional areas ever recorded. It is likely that this will have uh, continued for the rest of the year and this talking about 2020, and this will flow onto increasing demand for commercial property in regional areas, whether it is a shared workplace, building in Byron Bay, a new distribution facility in the Gold Coast, or even a few more shops in Mount Gambier. Population growth is a key driver of commercial property. This means growth in rents and values of many regional parts of Australia. So on the cards, 2021. So what this is talking about is this big sort of thrust in 2020 for sea change and tree change. I think a lot of people are going, hey, I don't need to be wed to the capital cities anymore, I'm going to go live in a lifestyle location. A lot of people have made that move, whether or not they're going to be happy with that decision come a year or two's time, and there might be a reverse of that, people flocking back to the cities Hmm. and not getting uh, the same value uh, back from the properties they paid for is one thing, but there's going to be this shift, uh, according to this article, that commercial and regional areas should see... High demand because of what you spoke about beforehand is population transition.
0: Yeah, Ed, look, I can tell you why we target regional. It's for the yield. So as an investor, yes, because we're buying existing, you know, normally long-term businesses. So we don't really. Well, I personally don't get too involved or excited about what the last twelve months of trend population has been, because like you said, it could reverse. But I like buying in regional because the yields higher, and as the yields have tightened in the capital cities. You know, like you, you can buy a laundry in Double Bay at one percent yield. You can, you know, even industrial properties in Brisbane have dropped from about seven to five and a half percent for good tenants. Like it's getting tighter. So what if you go into a major regional centre and you're getting well over seven to eight percent net returns for good properties? So I think it's a return thing more than anything, but. Like you said, there will be short term shifts in in rental markets. But, you know, if you're buying a, a long term medical center or a, a logistics business, you don't really care too much about is there an extra five hundred people living in this town. But long term that might actually boost the rental market, which is
1: kind of a little uh, side thing, I think. So how do you make buying decisions then when you're looking at regional markets? Um, you know, yield as a play. But yep. um what what are the other sort of key fundamental drivers you like to see?
0: So look, with higher yields, there is an implication of a higher risk. That's why there is a higher yield. You don't just get everything for free. So there is, the, I guess, the mindset that it'll be harder to find a new tenant. So for us to go regional, we need to look at the relatability of a property. And many times over the years, we've pulled out of deals with nearly bought, you know, like supermarket type ones because we think, oh, what if there's another supermarket that comes up in this small town? We're buying an IGA and what if Woolworths comes to town? It's going to wipe it out. Mm-hmm. That's why you're going to get a very high rip- yield. But for for many, it's too high of a risk. But if you buy, you know, like a row of shops and you've got 10 different little tenants, uh, and they're, you know, that's probably a, a good play. And you just got to work out if you lose one of those tenants, how long does it take to fill? So for me, it's really about the reletability. Like you got to simplify a commercial where you can, because um, you can get, you know, a little bit too uh, concerned about competitor analysis and all that kind of stuff. But the reality is it's a supply demand thing for the rental side. And if there is not much supply of those rentals and you're fully let, and there's not much vacancy in town, Mm. then it's probably a a worthwhile bet.
1: Okay. Scott here, this uh, final prediction from realcommercial.com.au for 2021 commercial property build-to-rent growth and demand for development sites expected. Uh, Interest in build-to-rent picked up during COVID-19 primarily because big rental drops, particularly in Melbourne and Sydney, CBD, saw investors withdraw from buying new apartments while the development sites will switch to -to build-to-rent in 2021. It's likely that building approvals for units will recover. With the vaccine, international students can return and migration can start up again. This means more demand for housing. So this is about build-to-rent commercial-based properties. What's your thoughts on that? Look, we're-, we're Or is it mixed sort of use type stuff?
0: Yeah, look, it could be, could be anything. Like We're seeing a lot more, I guess, tenants building and then renting and then mm. selling off. And the reason for that is- because prices are growing, like it creates a development margin. So mm-hmm. imagine you're property, industrial property you know, and you're, you basically build it and you put a 10-year lease on it, you'll be able to sell that in this market for a fair bit of money because mm-hmm. that's a high-demand product. So we are seeing a lot of that. As prices rise, the development margins creep back in. And one of the reasons why I don't think we've seen a lot of development, you know, particularly in the industrial space over the years, is because it's been undervalued which means that it hasn't been a real profitable exercise to build. But now that the prices are growing, you're going to see more of that come into it. And and that goes for all sectors, really, including mm-hmm. the office market.
1: When they're sort of creating these new suburbs, uh, you think out of the western suburbs of Sydney or southwest mm-hmm. Sydney, are they building new industrial areas into them, or industrial areas are pretty much capped within the large metropolitan areas? Not sort of developing new stuff.
0: Oh, look, they are. There's pockets, so yeah. every city's got uh, their own urban sprawl going on, and you know you need a certain ratio of uh, industrial out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I generally find it's you know it is lower or more undersupplied than the actual residential market. So. Because it's less desirable industrial mm. property, and you know it's not the go to for a local council just to whack a big industrial park in an area, but there is a need for it. Like there's a lot of it going on, you know, between Gold Coast and Brisbane, up the north side of Brisbane. You've got north side of Perth is growing quite well. You've got Western Sydney. Melbourne's got all their own, you know, areas mm-hmm. that are getting, you know, towards the west and the north and the east. So it's all part of local planning. It's it, it's a must. And I find uh, you know, it's you just gotta be careful buying into those scenarios too, because yeah. if there's too much of it, then it might be a for the short term at least, a weak rental market. Mm. But then you still can buy well in those areas if you buy a property with a good lease in place. Because imagine you've got a complex and they're they're building 100 of them and 50% might get sold to owner occupiers and then the other 50% are investors. But those only get sold when they've got a lease in place Mm. because investors generally don't buy vacant units. And if you've got a three-year lease in place, by three years you would have thought that the rental market's completely sorted itself out and then you're into a I guess a, a more, a, more of an infill style, uh, you know,
1: established suburb by then. Mm. Mm. Interesting. So, what do you reckon about those eight predictions, Scott? You reckon they're on the money? Is there anything you would add to them if you had to apply rethink sort of view for 2021?
0: Uh, no, look, they match exactly what we're seeing on the ground. So, you know, I don't get too involved in the predictions because so much can change. Like, if you look back at all the predictions in 2019 about the property market, that mm. didn't factor in yeah, bushfires, uh, you know, a pandemic based recession. So, you know, you've got to look at what's happening on the ground and what. Is happening on the ground like throughout the end of 2020 and and now the start of 2021 is it's looking like the busiest, most high demand market I've ever seen, and it's off the back of people don't know what to do with their money, confidence is like I said hit seven year highs and that's trending upwards still. Mm. Like you don't really meet anyone who's talking down the property market anymore, and like you know you're in this game as well. Like there's always someone saying yeah it's not it's, watch out for that you know or that you know that. There isn't much of that going on. There is an affordability argument in the country, so some of the highest value cities might not keep going because they've hit a glass ceiling to a degree. But I think 2021 will be quite a good rear for capital growth, but you've got to be careful in these markets because you might overpay. You might buy You know, Something I'm very big of is getting a high-yielding investment because if you buy a property that's negatively geared or not giving you the cash flow and interest rates rise on you in five years' time, maybe it's not the best investment to hold. So. You've know, you got to pick the right pockets, but 2021 on the ground, it's, it's all about low supply because not many people want to sell, high demand, lots of people are keen to invest and that is a recipe for capital growth.
1: Well, let's um, look forward to 2021, mate, and uh, recording the podcast Inside Commercial Property. Hope you're enjoying it. What's your biggest prediction for 2021 outside of it's going to be a big, big year for property? Oh, put me on the spot. I know. That's what I like to do. Oh, look- it's probably i'd,
0: I'd say it probably be the best year for property in the last in the last decade i'd say so that's my prediction and it could be for residential as well mm. but look there like i said there will be a point where it becomes a little bit too unaffordable so yeah. you've got to be careful not to get too excited don't just buy because you think it's going to grow 5% in the mm-hmm. next 6 months it's it's about buying with the right
1: fundamentals so back to business and uh, that's going to be good for property. Yeah, nice one. Well, well, thanks for 2020, Scott. And it's nice to, for us to sort of enter 2021 with um, Inside Commercial Property. We'll be here all year delivering all the information uh, that you need as you either shape your strategy in commercial buying or open your eyes towards it outside of residential. Scott, um, we like questions, don't we? We want to answer them on air any questions at all what's the best email address
0: info at rethinkinvesting.com.au or if you just go to our website rethinkinvesting.com.au you'll see uh there's a couple of spaces to start replying and you know we'll get back to you
1: okay cool so that's questions if anyone wants to ask on the podcast or if they want to have a chat with you guys they can do it all in the same place as well right exactly okay nice one Thanks, mate. Thanks for coming in. I know you're on holidays at the moment, so uh, it's good for us to um, get this podcast done early in the new year as everyone's sitting there, no doubt, on a beach or drinking a can of VB somewhere, thinking about what uh, 2021's going to be for them and, and how they're going to capitalize on what is a very interesting property market. So remember to get in touch, keep connected. We're here every month on Inside Commercial Property. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Go back and binge listens if you just found us. Everything that uh, I hope uh, that you'd want to think about commercial property we've covered thus far, and if we haven't, we will do in a future. We'll be back again next time. Until then, bye-bye.